Welcome to the Women of Wild podcast, where we explore what it means to be a woman. We will be discussing real life challenges from being a daughter, a wife, a mother, a single mom, and beyond. We're two friends living very different lives. One is married with all girls. The other is divorced with all boys. We're perfect bookends to speak from opposite perspectives on all the things. Our mission is to search out the heart of a woman and to pour into you wherever you are with real life wisdom, actionable steps, and application of the topics we discuss to continue our self-development into a wild woman. That is a woman of wisdom, impact, love, and dignity. So let's go. Whether you're a brand new mom or just learning to potty train, a mom of teens learning to drive, or a mom moving your son or daughter into their dorm room during the season, this episode is for you. We're going to dive deep into the heart of a mother and the hardest part about being a mom. No, not the sleep deprivation. The seasons of letting go. Humans develop in stages and seasons, and just when you think you've got one figured out, it's time to pivot and adjust to a new developmental stage. Letting go of one stage in order to enter fully into the next stage is the goal. It's not always easy to do, but sometimes it's excruciatingly painful and difficult. Have you ever heard of the children's book, I'll Love You Forever? It's a, a mom and a son story, and she goes through all the different stages of development with her son. And the repetitive uh, verses that you see throughout the book is, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as you're living, my baby, you'll be. But it really gets awkward towards the end where now it's a full-grown man. He's moved out of his parents' house, and he's living in his first independent home. And you see mom climbing up the window at night, and she enters the full-grown man's bedroom and pulls him up out of bed and cradles him like a baby and says the verses again, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby will be. It was a very awkward scene of the book. And I think that is a great place to start to just give us a perspective why it is important for moms to let go. That's funny. But I know some of us are tempted to continue that on throughout adult life. That reminds me when I was taking a training on scream-free parenting. And scream is S-C-R-E-A-M. Because I know there's screen-free as well. But he had written the book, Scream Free Parenting, Hal Runkle, and decided to change part of the title from raising kids to raising adults, because ultimately we don't want to raise up kids. We want to raise them into adults. And that's our goal. But in order to do that, we have to let go of the kid stages, which is, which is hard for moms. That becomes such a big part of our life and our identity and each stage they grow even from infant to toddler toddler to going off to school for the first time and then driving all those stages we have to let go of more and more control and that's that's tough the first time I have a vivid memory of letting go was bringing my first daughter home from the hospital now I had just given birth I had a new baby. I was sleep deprived. I didn't know how to take care of this child that they sent us home from the hospital with. It was terrifying. 
So I can't say my brain was working 100%, but I was terrified of going to sleep. I felt like I had to watch her 24 hours a day. And it's when I was at full exhaustion, I remember praying and just being like, okay, God, I've got to entrust her to you because I have to get some sleep. I'm not going to survive if I don't sleep. And I can be a better mom if I get some sleep. But it was, it was a surrender, even in that kind of small, what seems like a small thing, but if you're a brand new mom, you might relate. It's scary letting even go, letting them go to sleep and going to sleep yourself. <laughs> that was a scary time for me, but I had to do it to be a good mom. And so there's, you know, many stages that followed that, but that was my first memory of having to let go of one of my girls. And that moment coming home from the hospital is, is, with the first child is a moment of reckoning for all mamas. And I can remember the fear that set in on me, and it was the weight of the responsibility that this is a living creature, and I am responsible for this. And then you, your whole life flashes before your eyes, and you're thinking, I haven't been the most responsible person, <laughs> historically speaking. And here is this little baby that is 120% dependent on me to keep it alive. I mean, the weight of that responsibility. Uh, yeah, that, I remember giving up my sleep for a long time because when I would go to sleep, I would have nightmares. It was probably all the hormones trying to work themselves out. I would have nightmares about all these things I would do wrong or losing my child or <laughs> just random things that are just probably not going to happen. You know, but I think as new moms, that is something most of us do enter through that little fear phase of, okay, this is huge. This is a huge responsibility. And I think we either go from one side to the other. We either go extremely controlling or we get really codependent on other people. I went, I went to the extreme control side and I didn't want anybody to touch my first son, I was so scared of germs. I was scared to leave the house because I was quite sure that an asteroid would hit us, and, but it wouldn't hit my house. You know, you're safe there. And I remember my mom saying, you have to have more children or you are going to ruin this child because I was just so <laughs> overbearing. <laughs> Best advice she ever gave me. <laughs> you're welcome. I was talking with a friend at church the other day and she grew up in Brazil and we were talking about letting go and how hard that can be and she said in Portuguese they have a word that means birth but it also means depart she didn't tell me what the actual word was but it has that dual meaning and we were talking about how interesting that was because when when you're giving birth it's departing but then there's the birth of a new baby and each stage, they're growing and birthing into something new, but there's, they're also leaving something behind. And I've learned as my children grow, it's important for me to actually take time to grieve each of those stages. And sometimes I don't recognize what's happening, but it's, I need to take a moment if I'm upset or not figuring out what's going on and we've entered a new stage that maybe 
maybe I just need some time to process and grieve through that stage because I'm sad that we're, I can be sad and happy at the same time that we're moving forward. It's a weird place to be sometimes as a mom. Women are very complex. <laughs> Admittedly so. We can have multiple emotions that are polar opposite of each other at the same time. Absolutely. I agree with that. I think the letting go part is also difficult because we're we're trying to get into a flow with our new babies. And just as soon as we figure out a new flow, a new routine, we understand what this child needs, you enter into a new phase. And you have to pivot and you have to change and you have to adjust. And sometimes that adjustment is it hits you broadside because you didn't see it coming or you you got comfortable because they slept through the night for three straight nights and then they start waking up in the middle of the night again. And it's that um, learning to go, oh, okay, wait a minute. This is a change. This is a change that's going to lead us into a new season. And letting go is about looking back and literally letting go and closing the door on that. And there is grief in that. There is, I mean, when I was breastfeeding, I breastfed all my children in the first one, I remember it just when he he initiated the break off where he was done breastfeeding. And when he began to reject me, I was devastated. I thought I was doing something wrong. Didn't realize I'm just looking back at the way things have always been and not realizing we're entering into a new phase. And I did have to grieve that that independence again, just departing a little bit at a time from mama's embrace and then my second child of course would never stop so I had to initiate that break off of okay no more and it was heart-wrenching it was heart-wrenching because I had to stand my ground and tell him no and make him let go of the way things were and push him into the future of the next phase and that was just as excruciatingly painful for me to be the one to cause it and make it happen. That leads me into an interview on a YouTube video that I saw of Jordan Peterson. And it was actually a video talking about getting out of your comfort zone. But as Jordan Peterson often does, he went into a rabbit trail talking about motherhood. Um, and I'll, we'll link that actual YouTube video in the show notes so you can go watch it. It's actually a pretty short video. And he goes into talking about independence and it ties into the the whole idea of comfort zone because he's saying at one point it's about the mother's crucifixion and that whole phrase just jolted my heart like a shock treatment the mother's crucifixion and he compared it to Michelangelo's sculpture of I think you pronounce it Paite it's Mary holding the broken dead body of Jesus displayed across her body. And he's describing how the bravery of Mary, not only to allow that to happen, but she facilitated it. And as the child is cleaving to a mother's apron strings, she must facilitate him to get out of the nest, regardless of how dangerous it is out there in the world. And he goes on talking, I highly recommend watching the video. And he's talking, he got, sometimes Jordan Peterson will go into like a dialogue narrative of how these two people are dealing with an issue or how the mother's dealing with it in her brain. And in this, she's having the conversation and he's simulating what the conversation might look like with her son. 
uh, you know, it's more dangerous here if you stay with me, he says, you know, that you might lose your body out there in the world, but if you stay here, you'll lose your soul. I was like, that's a really deep depiction, but it really painted the picture of how important it really is to let go. That makes me think of another book I've read on letting our kids go called Give Them Wings. Maybe some of you have heard of that if you have older kids, but we'll link that in the notes as well. And I forgot to write down the author's name, but she says in the beginning, we live in a culture of fear that reminds us with every news headline that we should be afraid. We, however, have a choice about how we respond to our feelings and our fears. May we be mothers of courage in the process, giving our kids wings so we can watch them fly. That resonated with me so strongly. My daughter this year, back earlier in the year when flights were cheap, she went to New York twice. And over spring break, she went, and I had just read headlines about some murders and sexual assaults and things going on there. And I was terrified of having her go to New York again. And I just couldn't wait for her to be on the plane back home. And she was going to this concert to see this band, Youngblood, which I'd never heard of, but he's a British guy. And she had seen him at Music Mix down in Atlanta and in Athens and now flew up to New York to go see him again. And they went to a concert Friday night in New York. And then they saw him again in the park the next day. And it was a small group watching him. So they, the band gave out tickets for that night's concert. So that night, she and her friends had made these signs. And they tried to bring him in Friday night and they wouldn't allow them. So this time she made a sign and stuffed it in her pants, got in the music venue and up towards the front. And because she'd seen it so many times, she held up the sign when she knew the song was coming up that said, I flew all the way from Athens, Georgia to play Fleabag on guitar. Well, apparently the singer has done this a few times and he saw her holding up the sign and he invited her up on stage and she sends us these videos. We don't know any of this is going on of her playing on guitar on stage at this concert. And it was a pretty big venue and she is having the time of her life. And, you know, I could have taken that away from her, not allowed her to go. She's an adult. She could have gone anyway, I suppose, but I probably could have talked her out of it if I really wanted to live in that fear. But she went. And that's probably going to be one of the top 10 experiences she's ever had in her life. And so instead of, I'm at home fearing what's going to happen to her and just wanting her back home, she's in the city having one of the greatest experiences of her life. And it just changed my perspective and how we as moms, you know, I got to see her fly in that moment instead of holding her back and keeping her from doing something like that. And I have two examples because I know you're going to talk about your own experience with this, but I've seen her smile, <laughs> this huge smile twice in her life. One was when she's on stage holding that sign. And the other one is when she went skydiving, which was another activity I wasn't super excited about her doing. But she went and I let her go. I actually went along because I just thought if she lands wrong or anything happens, I want to be there. 
I wanted to watch her do it. I was not going to do it myself. I think I would probably die in the process of a heart attack or something. But I bought her the video package because I was like, if you're going to do this, you have to have pictures of you doing it. And so that was kind of my, she did this for her 21st birthday. And I got those pictures back. And she is the happiest I'd ever seen her in her life as she's falling out of this plane. I have no concept of that personally. I think I would be passed out, but I have a kid that's more adventurous than me. And I don't want to hold her back from doing those things. And that's probably a super challenge for you. You have to be super intentional in turning off your desire because your desire probably was what for her to go to New York and just literally to go shopping and then come home alive in one piece. And that would be a significant event. <laughs> but instead, she played guitar on the stage with her beloved band that she's been following. I mean, that's chills. And skydiving, God bless you for letting go and letting her do that because there truly is nothing like it on earth. And that's literal. So, you know, I, I had a past life before my children. Skydiving was my thing. And I went through this whole campaign trying to get my mom to sign off on me doing it before I was 21. I wanted her to every Christmas, birthday, Valentine, whatever, you know, if there was a, a gift giving event, I would leave all these hints around that I wanted her to buy me a skydive. I wanted to go skydiving. And the closest she ever got was to get me a flight lesson at a local small airport. She just, she told me, this is for your birthday. It's the closest I'm going to get you to a skydive because if anything happened, I would never forgive myself. So I go to this lesson and my brother's with me and um, we, I get to take somebody up with me. I was not interested in flying that airplane. So when we get up into altitude, I was like, Russell, you can take over. I'm just going to stare out this window and test myself to see if it's something I really want to do, right? And I'm staring out the window like, oh, yeah, I definitely want to jump out of this airplane. This is doable. I had to wait until I was 21 because my mom just would not sign off <laughs> on me doing that. But my brothers thought it was pretty amazing that I I pursued it as a hobby. So I, I ended up ended up doing it every weekend that it was not raining. I was up in the sky and we would talk about it around the table at dinner. And my mom would gracefully get up and she would tell me, I am very proud of you, but I cannot listen to these stories. And she would go into the other room and find something to do to occupy herself. Uh, she just, and she wrote me a letter one time because the same thing, it was kind of the same dynamic. She was a very conservative, low-key, simple woman. And she gave birth to an adrenaline junkie that she didn't understand. And she, she really didn't want to hold me back either, but she couldn't give it to me either. <laughs> like it had to be my doing. And I understand that. And, um, she wrote me a letter one time because she just couldn't form the words to say it to my face. But she wrote this letter saying, we are very different people. And I just want you to know, I am so proud of you. I just don't want to know about it. My kids riding motorcycles and doing the jumps. I love that you are that adventurous. And I am too. But when it comes to my kiddos, I cannot watch that jump. I have to turn away. <laughs> Everything in my body just shuts down. I can feel that just in teaching them to drive. That's such a loss of control and putting them in control of a piece of machinery that has can have devastating and expensive consequences. 
literally entrusting our lives in their hands. I was not a good uh, passenger for my girls. They've been driving my oldest now for almost seven years and my youngest for about four years. I'm just now getting comfortable riding in the car with them, sort of. So that's one of those areas where I learned to pray a lot more when they started driving because I had no control. We have no control anyway. We have some illusion of control, but that's a true loss of control when they're out on the road. Another thing with the same daughter, my older one, she was always more into experience, improving at something. She would go to a camp or do an activity, whether she knew anybody there or not. And growing up, I was much more, if I had a friend, I would go somewhere. And she wanted to go to sleepaway camp. I think she was in about fourth grade. And I remember driving her up to this camp. She didn't know anybody there, but she was so excited about going. And then when we finally got to the place where it was time to say goodbye, I just hugged her. And I think more than her, I had this deer in the headlights look like, I'm just leaving her here without knowing a soul. And that was hard for me. I had to drive home two hours by myself after that. But she had one of the greatest weeks of her life. She loved it. She made some friends. She loved her counselor. It was a great experience for her. I would never have done that at her age. And I have to remember that she's different from me. She has more adventure, just like you and your mom. There's a fine line between trying to discourage them from doing things and not to see her through my own personality, which is hard to do. My younger daughter is more like me, but she's going to college and she chose to just do a random roommate and she wanted to do that. I didn't do that. I roomed with somebody I knew from high school because I was too afraid. She's a little more like me, but she's already stepping out in more courage than I did at her age. So I'm proud of her too. And I think it's so funny how we get matched with offspring of such different personalities. With all three of mine, they're so very different, but one of them is wired a little bit like me, and the other two are very introvert, very, I mean, they would have been a great match for you. <laughs> but instead, it's the opposites here, and I think it's it's the iron sharpened iron, like they're helping me, and I'm, you know, pushing them into coming back towards the center of balance. Because I could, I could be way over in left field and I need somebody to anchor me a little bit because my adventures would just be, you know, the amount of risk take is too much. And and they don't want any risk. So I pull them towards the center. They pull me away from the edge of the cliff. <laughs> but it's funny how it's always the opposites. I was mentioning my niece has a daughter that is extremely extroverted and she would have a panic attack taking her daughter anywhere because her daughter would talk to everyone interview people in line at Walmart and she would be forced to talk with these, you know, her mom would be forced to talk with these people and it would just cause so much anxiety for her. And it was just so funny to see it all the way down, how people are matched that way, parents and children, just almost like opposites. It's funny you say that. My little one, well, she's not, she's 19, I call her that, but when she was little, she was a lot more extroverted and if Anna was gone, she would be like, when is she coming back? And I'm maybe an hour. An hour? What am I going to do? 
And one time my mom came over and asked what Lily was doing. She was up in her room and she's like, I'm practicing being by myself. (laughs) (laughs) She couldn't stand to be by herself. One of the things that inspired us to do this episode now is both Debbie and I are in a season of letting go in a new stage of life. She just sent her son to high school out of homeschooling for the first time, public high school. And my two girls, my oldest is doing a study abroad. So she's going overseas in September. And my youngest is going off to college for the first time. So I'm entering that empty nest phase, or at least partially empty nest phase for a few months at a time. We're having to let go in new ways that we haven't had to before. And it's going to be hard. And one of the things I've been thinking of That's been a little confusing to me, or conflicting, not confusing, but is just the mom guilt. There's a part of me because they haven't done a lot this summer. Nobody really got a job. They're sitting around and making a mess in the kitchen a lot of the time. And so there's that piece of me that's like, once they leave, I can keep the house a little cleaner. That'll be nice. But then I feel guilty for that because... I'll probably really miss them when they leave. That's not the most important thing to me is having the house clean. But I also, there's just a conflict there. There's part of me, I want them out. I want them busier doing things that are productive. I also, once they're gone, I'm going to want them here. (laughs) It's a confusing thing. It's, it's, the grass is always greener on the other side, but I'm trying to wrestle with the guilt of wanting the next stage and not wanting it at the same time and wanting Anna to have the experience overseas but knowing that's going to be really hard for me to have that distance from her to let go to the point where I can't be there if something happens she's going to have to figure things out on her own which is good but it's going to be hard for both of us and my younger one at college she's going to be away from home for the first time And she's excited, and I think she's going to love it. But it'll just be interesting to see how that dynamic goes between missing home and growing up and me missing them but letting them go and figuring out what my life looks like without the kids home all the time in that transition. Because eventually, the goal is for them not to come back home, (laughs) to move on, to get their own place, to have their own family. That would be my ultimate goal. So I need to continue letting go with that. But it's it's a wrestle. I have to wrestle with it and work on the grief and the the guilt and the conflict. All that all that stuff comes up and it's it's tough to work through. I think mom guilt is I'm so glad you brought that up. Mom guilt is something that that plagues us from day one. Mom guilt about feeling joy when they go off to kindergarten. <laughs> mom guilt about sending them to kindergarten. Mom guilt about feeling joy that we're in Target for an hour away from our kiddos. (laughs) Or mom guilt about not being on the clock 100 hours a week doing the mom thing. You know, what job under the sun, other than a soldier on duty, requires you to be on the clock, around the clock, 24-7? And the mom guilt comes every time we seem to lay down our responsibilities. And it's like, you know, you are, you're experiencing some Uh, well, not yet, but when they are gone, you're going to experience some joy. And in that moment, just like we were saying, you're going to have both emotions at the same time. You're going to have guilt and joy at the same time. And you're going to feel guilty about feeling the joy. 
And that's the mom complexity. We are complex. Uh, but I think it's important that it, if we were to coach a mom through that unpacking that mindset, that the mom guilt is natural. I don't feel bad that that comes on. I think it's natural because it is a heavy responsibility being responsible for a human life. And sometimes it's really hard to lay down the responsibility and to trust a, a family member, a friend to handle things for a minute while we compose ourselves, rest up, fuel up, whatever we need to do, gain our identity and not just being a mom. But all those things, we have to be intentional in battling the guilt and not just saying, okay, this is just part of being a mom. Because the guilt does deplete the joy in those different phases, right? I know that for me, the guilt has been overwhelming sometimes. And in the moment where there's an opportunity to experience the joy of the new season, the joy of the new change, or the joy of the new stage in their development, it's stolen because I'm camping out in the guilty camp. Oh, you know, I didn't do enough, or I shouldn't feel this joy when I'm away from them, or maybe I shouldn't have put them in school. And I think that the guilt thing is a joy killer, and we have to be really intentional intentional in fighting it you know uh, so we you mentioned that I did put my youngest in public school this year after being homeschooled his whole life it was a decision that we all made together based on all the changing dynamics that I didn't have control over and him being home alone us going through a pandemic and isolation and then there's you know, his two brothers have graduated out, so it's no longer a full table at home. Putting him in school was not on my radar. The plan was always to graduate all three of my children out of homeschool, and I was always committed to the end. And pivoting and recognizing the need to pivot, I went through a very long season of last year seeing all and observing all the changes last year in his school year and recognizing that some something needed to change and dealing with all my head space about it, feeling like a failure of a homeschool mom, feeling like I was giving up on my goals of homeschooling him through the end and recognizing that he actually has an opinion now. I mean, he's 14 and he does have an opinion and he really did want to go to school. And all of those things culminated into a very long process <laughs> of making that decision. But making the decision was very empowering. And it was also very empowering to, to release myself from this make-believe right way to do things. And I just don't think that there's always a right way for every child. You know, some parents are going to say, letting your child, letting, you know, Anna going to New York, she's not a child. She, in all intents and purposes, is a young adult that has the ability to exercise her freedom to go travel if she wants to. You could have influenced it. You could have infused that whole experience for her with fear and concern about all the possibilities. And they're legit possibilities. And some parents would see that as that was probably not wise. You should not have done that. But then look at what she would have missed. And I have no idea what this year is going to bring in homeschooling. So check back with me in three to six months, and we'll see how we're feeling about the public school experience and his transition. And I can tell you I'm hypervigilant to just watch his responses because I didn't put him there to have an easy time. 
we made the decision so that he could be challenged, inspired, and have some friction with peers, you know, peer-to-peer influence. That's There's a lot to be learned there, good and bad. <laughs> it's tough to purposely put our kids in situations where we know they're going to have struggle, but that's such a gift to him. They need to learn to problem solve and to figure things out, and I think that's really brave of you to put them in there to be challenged. I like that that's one of your goals because that's not always a goal that's in our minds as parents. Yeah, it's almost instinctive to put the bubble around them, you know, and as toddlers, yeah, we we do need to protect them a lot more, and then the protection needs to have a longer and longer rope and give them more and more lead to make decisions and that's the big thing is making decisions and owning them. I'm noticing that the, the kids that are coming out of high school and college are struggling to make decisions and to just be confident in the decision and to be confident that even if it wasn't the right decision, they can adjust and pivot later. And being able to make a strong decision because we are not going to be here forever as their parents. We will not be here forever for them. And being able to make a decision and just walk confidently in it, that's that's a gift that we have to give them and that it requires them having space and options. You know, if, if they only have one option, there's no decision being made. There are a lot of opportunities and things to let go of as our kids grow up. One of the things I had to let go of were some of my dreams and ideas for things that they would pursue. My oldest was a really good gymnast and she won the state meet at one level in the fall. And then that next winter started practicing for the next level and decided to quit. I really didn't want her to do that. And so she chose to quit and, but she was able then to pursue other things that she enjoyed. The same thing with my second daughter. She was a ballerina. She was a beautiful dancer. I loved watching her dance. And when she went to high school, she was ready to give that up. And I really didn't want her to. I had to let go of those things. It was harder for me, I think, in a way to let go than it was for my kids to let go because they were ready. They were ready to do something different. I was encouraging them to go against the decision they wanted to make, but I did allow them to make it and it was the right choice for them. The other thing I want to say is I found it really hard as a parent when they got into high school and they just lost that innocence, that they grew up, they began to see hard the world was, they began to have harder problems, and their friends were going through difficult things. And I remember at those really struggling with that loss of that innocent childhood piece. I had to grieve that a little bit when my youngest kind of went into that phase. It was just hard. There's something so beautiful about a young child. And I think, man, I wish we could go back to when they were fighting over Barbies. (laughs) Those days are so hard when you're in them, but when you get up to where you're dealing with more of the ugly, hard stuff, it does cause you to miss those days when they're younger. Yeah, the virtuous stuff that they have to decide what is going to be part of their world and what's not, and we've got an influx of information that is it's hard to keep them away from that very long. And then they have to talk about making decisions, you know, that's that's a lot of the decision-making right there is what part of culture is going to seep into their hearts and their worldview. 
and they have to make that choice of what they're going to keep and what they're going to reject. And sometimes they have to taste it first. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know I did. I had to taste it first before I decided what I was going to reject. And that that is hard to watch that you were talking about, about making the, letting them make their decisions, especially when it's against what you're feeling in that moment. It's okay. That's a good thing for parents to cause them to pause. I think you just delayed it. Just let's have a conversation first before you quit gymnastics or let's have a conversation first before you transfer schools. Let's just think this through first. And causing a pause is is wise. I think that that's smart. And I think I wish I had a little bit more wisdom when my two oldest decided to pivot and change course from the vision I had for them post-graduation. I really was hoping that they would take the college route and both of my two oldest did not take the college route. They pivoted and did something different. They got good jobs um, and they're doing great. They're being very productive parts of society and they're enjoying what they're doing. But I had to let go of my dream and my plans because my plans took them all the way to their wedding day. You know, <laughs> I planned their life. Why don't they just <laughs> stay the course? I didn't apparently give them the map and they, they're just going off the map here and letting go of my plans for their life. Um, I, I held on tight until I was reminded that I didn't plan all the days of their life. That was not mine. That was not my responsibility. It actually is not even mine that I'm allowed to do. <laughs> I can plan their play dates, but I cannot plan the men they're going to be or the choices they're going to make. And they've made their decisions. And, um, you know, I also know that having an opinion and when you state the opinion, because it's okay to state your opinion, especially if you're trying to give your child pause to consider another perspective or to consider something that they haven't yet in that decision, um, is to kind of think whether your opinion that you're about to share is going to edify and empower them or is it going to box them in and manipulate them into doing your way. It's that my way or the highway mentality. And when you have that highway for the my way or the highway mentality, I think most most young adults are going to reject that. It, it comes across as icky, it's a negative energy, and anything that boxes a human being in from being able to make a free dis decision I think they're going to push up against that. And I think that's where you start having real conflict in your relationship. Um, so I want to encourage anybody that's got a young adult child and is walking the silent mode with them or not having as much to do with them, whether they're in your house or already outside of your home. I want to encourage mamas and parents and to, to consider reconciliation in that and to consider your own input. I know there was a year-long silent mode between my mom and I when I was a young adult over the decisions I was making and I'm thankful that we reconciled and we were very close up until she passed away but during that whole year of, of silence away from her I really did not feel rooted and it was a, a very odd place to be because I was just I felt like I was in an abyss and I think our young adult children need us not just to accept their decisions, but to accept them as people and give them a rock solid place to come and think with clarity 
and have room to make decisions without feeling like there's only one right decision to be made. And that's that takes a lot of courage as a parent to just give that space. How do we prepare in letting our kids go? As mine have gotten really to college age and over the last four or five years, I've tried to really think about my own life apart from kids, what that's going to look like, what I want it to look like, what I want to do at that time. I did stay at home with them most of their lives. And so I needed to begin to really work on my own activities, job, career, that sort of thing, because I didn't want to just send them off to school one day and not know what I was going to do with my life. In the last several years, my husband and I have been working on trying to do more things together, come up with hobbies that we enjoy doing with each other, playing tennis, pickleball, fishing, taking more trips, trying to get together with just a couple friends more that maybe also have older kids. And I'm working on the coaching business and the podcast, finding a place to plug in at my church and working on just my own friendships and relationships and things to do that are apart from the kids, still trying to do things with them when over the summer when they're home and as much as possible. But I want them to see me living the kind of life I want them to live as they age into adults. And that's the biggest thing I try to tell the parents I work with or the moms I work with and everything is that we have to model for them what we want them to become. And so what do I want their lives to look like? I need to try to work on that in my own life and be someone that they can look up to and want to live like. And I'm so I'm working hard a lot to do that. I do my own coaching. I'm trying to exercise <laughs> to do all the things that I hope that they will do as well as they grow into adults. But I can't just live a life that's mediocre and expect them to live a, a bigger life than that. They might, I hope they do, but I need to live the best life I can as well with, in the situations I have going on at the time. Yeah, it's about living a full life. And in each phase, that that's one of the better things that we can focus on. And, you know, the, the hardship of letting go is one thing. But when we do turn around and realize that we're entering into a new season, the opportunities there are so encouraging and they're so empowering that we get to reinvent ourselves as women a thousand times in our lives. And that's super fun. And, you know, this is wide open spaces. You know, when we when we have them still in the home and it's just a little bit of independence, that they're gaining through each stage, that's that's a little bit. You can gain a little bit of hobby time. You can gain a little bit of interest that you can, you know, garden in the backyard makes it look a little bit different in those times when you have kids that can be left alone for periods of time compared to infancy. You know, that garden's going to look different. But when you are at the phase that we're at where we have large chunks of time that are suddenly being handed to us, that is so exciting of the possibilities of the things that we've had inside of us that's just been waiting. It's been waiting for this time. It's been waiting for us to go, hey, you know, I had this thought a million years ago, and I think I'm going to act on it. And being creative in this space of doing a podcast has been so much fun. I mean, because it's not just podcasting. We've had to learn all the technical sides. We've had, you're doing a rock solid job on Instagram and Facebook, marketing, and all the stuff that we've had to learn. And it's been so much fun. Learning about coaching, learning about self-development, learning about the human brain 
it's been so exciting. I'm so thankful for this season. I'm so thankful that we've been able to merge. And you can, again, check back in with me in a couple months because I've not been home alone <laughs> like this. You know, with him, everybody's working and I've got one in school. That's new for me. So I cannot give you an opinion on what that looks like. I am a little stir crazy with how quiet it is here. But um, I, I think it's a beautiful season of life to reinvent and just to plug in anything. And we've mentioned it on another episode, but this is the hard part sometimes. It's just going where to start. Start anywhere. Literally get on Pinterest and just start anywhere. If it's drawing or if it's baking or if it's taking a walk or exercising, literally one thing, just one little tiny thing, whether you think you're going to love it or not, just try it because you could always ditch it and replace it. <laughs> But reinventing ourselves, that's thats the beauty of this season, of letting go. As they're inventing themselves, we're reinventing ourselves. I love that. And it should be a fun, exciting time. And now that I'm 48, back when I was having my kids and I was in my 20s, I thought that was really old and that I wouldn't be able to do anything at this age. <laughs> Now it doesn't feel so old and there's a lot of life left, hopefully. And there's a lot of things I can still do, maybe a little slower, but there's so much more possibility than I ever thought was possible when I would look at people my age now when I was in my 20s. I saw this post on Facebook recently and I'm just going to read it because it's so encouraging about, you know, finding a new, a new niche in life, if you will. Vera Wang made her first wedding dress at the age of 40. Rodney Dangerfield's break in stand-up comedy happened at 46. Julia Child's first cookbook, 49. Sam Walton opened his first Walmart at the age of 44. Uh, Ray Kroc's first McDonald's came after he was 50. Duncan Hines introduced his cake, his, his cake mixes at the age of 73. So that's not encouraging. And, and like you said, I mean, if they don't go to college now, they can always decide to change paths later. They could go to college at the age of 40. I know somebody that got her law degree, started her bachelor's and got her law degree when she was 63. Wow. Like started college when she was 63. Her first day of freshman in college. And she went all the way through law school and got and became a lawyer. I always remembered in my head, like, that is a woman that encourages me. Another thing it's important to let go of is perfection. We've learned that in the process of working on this podcast. I've learned it in building my life business and my coaching business. It's important just to start doing things and it's okay to make mistakes. I am learning about a lot of ways I can learn to communicate better. <laughs> if we never move forward, if I never listened to myself on a podcast, I would never learn those things about my own communication. It takes doing it to growing and improving and getting better at things. And it's not going to be perfect. We're going to have little sound problems. I'm going to stumble over my words. It's just going to, it's not going to be perfect. But if I don't let go of that, I'll never do it. And that's, that's held me back in a lot of areas of my life. And I'm trying to push through that. And I think it's important for our kids to know I told a girl I was coaching today, I said, successful people fail over and over. Nobody became successful that didn't 
overcome many, many failures. And so don't look at yourself as a failure. Just keep getting up and doing the next thing. And eventually you'll be successful. But if you never try, then you never will make it to that point. We've got to try and fail over and over and allow our kids to do that. It's okay. If they fail out of college, they're going to learn from that experience. It's what they do next that matters. They can keep growing. If they lose a job, there's so many different ways they might see something as a failure. The failure isn't the thing. It's the overcoming. It's what you do next. It's the growing, the lessons you learn from that experience that really make you into a better person. We learn so much more from that than we do from just success after success. I'm, I'm going to bring in one thing that uh, a lot of people have heard of this. It's where you actually have the different stages of parenting and our roles and how our roles change. So you have like when the kids are zero to five, that's their discipline phase. We're trying to instill discipline in them. And so we're disciplinarians. And then you have the training years where we are their trainers between ages five and 12. And then it pivots. And that's the big pivot right there. And it has to pivot in the way that they communicate. And this is going to be your expertise is where we go from their trainer to their coach. And the coach does not tell them how to do everything because they've already been told how to do things. Now we coach them in it with more questions. And the way that we coach, we coach our clients with more questions to get them to realize their own truths, so their own answers, where they are. It's the uh, Adam, where are you in Genesis? We're, we're giving them questions so they can figure out things on their own. And that's ages 12 to 18. And then the next phase we pivot again is we become, I've always, always heard this one called the consultant. So after 18, when they come back to us, we're more in the friend zone with them. And when they come to us wanting something, it's more as a consult. Not to be told this is how it's done, but to consult with them as this is your possibilities. These are your options, you know, to help them out. And I had a, a my mentor in homeschooling and parenting gave me some great advice. She said, as it's probably harder to parent young adults than it is infants. And I agree, entering into this phase because you have to discipline yourself to not be the disciplinarian or the trainer because those days are gone. And so now you're either coach or consultant. And she said, now with my kids come to me and they want to share something that happened with them that was hard or challenging, I ask them, what do you want me to be in this moment? Do you want my advice or do you just need an ear? So then she knows what do they need, and they're honest to come back and say, I, I don't need to hear anything. I just need to vent, or I really want your take on this. And it really does open up that communication in the adults, the, the young adults, so that you can know whether you're in the coaching role or the consultant friend role. And I think that was just huge advice that I've just held into my heart going, okay, that is the space where I have to let go of the black and white, my way or the highway thinking, those days are gone. They have their own choices. They have their own opinions. And it's going to be healthier for my relationship with them if I can just be what they need me to be in this moment. It is hard when they tell you something. I was just talking to a friend about this last night at dinner. She was saying her husband, 
her son called and her husband was like, well, what do you want me to do about it? And she was like, he didn't need you to do anything. He just wanted you to listen. But it's so natural as parents, our whole lives, we've been helping, fixing, protecting, providing, all of that. So it's hard not to just jump into that mode, regardless of how old our children are. I think this child was 25 and he lives on his own in another state, but we still revert back to that and to let go and ask first. And I do the same. I want to jump to fix because I figure if they're telling me something, certainly they want my solution. (laughs) Most of the time, it is not the case. They just want someone to listen. And, And I love that question, like, what do you need me? What do you need from me? And maybe it's a hug. It's important to just make that pivot to starting to ask those questions. Because unsolicited advice is very often not appreciated very much. So Debbie, what was your biggest takeaway from today? My biggest takeaway is the story about Anna going to New York. Because I can relate as a mom that has concerns about a city, about a first-time traveler. The whole story in and of itself was such an impactful story because it made sense either way you went. It, may, it would make sense for you to discourage her. But now having been on the other side and she's had the experience of a lifetime being on stage playing the guitar with her beloved band, that is not something that she's gonna, it's going to be easy to top for her. <laughs> and the idea that you could have intervened on that, you know, you would have never known the loss. But the fact that she did have that experience, now you know going forward that that is a story that you can share that really shows how fear can really stop an amazing experience. And when you put that in check for yourself, you afforded her a, a once in a lifetime experience. That's, that's. I think my biggest takeaway, and there was a lot, I really like what you said at the end about the different stages. And I would say I'm in the consultant phase. And that was a really good reminder of just my role and how to look at that. Because I do like to jump back into the earlier stages where I don't belong. And just to try to keep that focus is helpful. I will also say I'm going to do two. I love that your mom wrote you a letter and allowed you to do some of the scary things. Even though she wasn't always interested in being involved, she still admired your bravery and gave you that freedom. And that's just, I'm more like her and my daughter's more like you. So that's just a good reminder to encourage her, write her letters, both of them really. Try to help them step into who they're supposed to be. And that's okay. I don't have to go there with them, but I can support them. (laughs) Join us next week as we talk about communicating with wisdom. We have a free gift for you. The plan, teaching your children to fly. It's a guide of life skills to teach your children for each year, beginning at three years of age, all the way till their 18th birthday. And we've created it as a free download and printable just for you. You can click on the link in our show notes or visit our social media pages to find the link there. And stay tuned for an update on this episode. We'll check back in with a part two in a few months.
If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. Let us know what you liked and what your main takeaways were. We'd also love to know what topics you'd want to hear about on future episodes. To connect with us further on social media or to learn more about our services, click on the links in the show notes or email us at womenofwildpodcast at gmail.com. And if you know anyone that would benefit from hearing this episode, please share it. To continue the discussion about this episode, join us in our private Facebook group. The link will be in the show notes. Until next week, stay wild.